630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Offensive zone, betting a shot, score! We are tied at two with five and a half to go. Ekman Larson had a poke past him, and now we've got a breakaway. Nugent Hopkins to win it between circles, shoots and scores! Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the winner for the Oilers, three, two, in There's the Oilers rally last night, Benning tying it with about five and a half minutes to go, and then a wild overtime, one in which the Oilers were extremely outchanced. Nugent Hopkins able to chip it past OEL. As I said on Twitter last night, RNH out initialed OEL. Gets the breakaway scores. Oilers have just their second two-game winning streak of the season. They'll try to make it three tomorrow against Toronto. It's on Chad, 5.30 face-off show, game at 7. NHL tonight Habs up 2-1 on the Senators 6 minutes left in the second period Boston leads Tampa Bay 3-1 9 minutes left in the second period Ducks and Blues just starting Jets and Avalanche start in about half an hour My name is Reed Wilkins I really appreciate you tuning in tonight It is 7.07 Kevin Carius from Global Television has joined me in studio and he has placed in my hands an <laughs> artifact from January of 1988 a program program the Melville Millionaires taking on the Soviet Junior Selects, wearing number seven for your Melville Millionaires. <laughs> well, six foot one, 190 pounds. Kevin Carius. Lean, machine. That's amazing. But the reason, well, I had talked to you about this last year, Reed, mm-hmm. and I contacted the Toronto Maple Leafs as well to get Jim Hiller on tonight, but they wouldn't allow Jim, unfortunately. That's their policy. Uh, Even just to talk about something like this, but Jim Hiller played on that team as well in uh, 1988. And of course, Jim's gone on to have a tremendous coaching career, played in the NHL, obviously, with Kings and Wings, and then coached Tri-City Americans for a number of years now, assistant coach in Toronto with the Maple Leafs, but too bad that he wouldn't be able to talk about... uh, this tonight. Now, was he the best player on your team, first of all? No. No, no he wasn't. You were. No, no, I was down the <laughs> list for sure. There, uh, actually a guy that uh, Jim Hiller played with for many, many years, Scott Beatty, he would say what probably was the best player on the team. Scott and Jim, I think, both went to play American College at... Uh, uh, Northern Michigan, I think, or there's so many Michigans in there, but I think it was Northern Michigan, and I think Scott Beatty was runner-up for Hobie Baker Award. Oh, really? Then went on to play a lot of years in Europe. He was an undersized forward. It, it had had the NHL been the way it is today, he'd be in the he would have made the NHL. Well, Jim with, Jim Hiller yeah. was a big, big, strong forward and with a really good shot, but. So what do you remember about this game? And this was well, the era. I, I should just preface this because people younger than us. 
you know, the Russians they, are commonplace. They, they, were the, the, yeah. they were the dirty commies. Like, let's face it, if it was Canada against the Soviet Union, as yeah. they were called, you wanted to beat those commies, right? Absolutely. I mean, we don't. We don't it call stemmed them that from anymore. 1972, yeah, right? It went sure. all the way on, well, all the way. It stems from the Cold War. Well, <laughs> but, but you know, as yeah, far as in hockey. They're the political thing, in was, hockey. the way of life thing, I think, factored into the rivalry as well. well. So, what do you remember about the hype leading up the to The thing this game? that I remember mostly about this game, and they played several games in this SJHL, and I think even a few in the AJHL, they had a touring team. This was basically their 17 uh, year old all-star team from Russia. Okay. So if you go go and have a look, I wish that our listeners could hear, but or see, but um, the thing that I couldn't believe Sergei was... Sergei Zuboff. Sergei Zuboff played. <laughs> okay, so Pavel Burry played. Alexei Zhamnov played. So you uh, played a game against all those all guys. these guys. Uh, Alexander Gdynik, and I think there's... Well, he was he, the one Louis beat the tar uh, out of. Uh, Igor Korolev. And I believe there's another one there. Well, here. Oh, Zamnov's listed as a Zamnov was, yeah. But, you know, they carried more players. Sure. That's the thing. They were all 17 years old. And this is, again, this was before that any of these players from Russia were almost even really drafted. Yeah. Like some of the early, early Russian draft picks came after this. Yeah. Like Sergei Makarov was drafted in... 88 after the Olympics and, and they'd be like drafted that. in the sixth round, tenth round, eleventh round, twelfth round. Right, yeah. And then you know, and then into the early 90s is when all these guys started to come over and get drafted and things like that. There's so, you. Oops. I'm going to tweet out this picture. <laughs> uh, so wh- how, what do you? How'd the game go? <laughs> I think we lost five two or five three. Okay. Like, um, but they were really fast. They were like lightning fast. Um, the the arena I, the one other thing that I really remember and I was hoping to talk Jim and I have talked about this over the years because we've obviously kept in touch and I just wish that he would have been able to come on tonight to get his thoughts because it's it's thirty years ago you know so it's it's a long time ago but um, well, the, the Russian players had basically nothing they had absolutely uh, like their equipment was terrible their sticks were terrible their skates were awful they the odor on the team was awful. They, it's like they hadn't showered or done anything for, for months and months and months. That's amazing. It was just terrible. After the game, we at that time, I think our what, we're, what we used for sticks were Titans, those like the Gretzky Titans. The white ones with the red right? Red, they were red, I think. Okay. But we ended up trading them for their, like, they, their sticks were like two by fours. Oh, um, and and uh, we ended up trading a lot of their, like, just for souvenirs. Uh, trading the really good sticks, so um, to get the the Russian things, and and after the game, you know, we were actually went into their dressing room after the game, and uh, all they were doing was just eating burgers and drinking cokes. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, did you score in the game? No, do you remember? I no. I what, think, you, what year was this for you? Was this your? I was twenty years old. This so, is your last year. Yeah, last year was it, and the the SJ didn't have a limit on twenty year olds then. What have they? I don't think so back then. No. Um, but there we had we had an older team. Uh, we had a really actually a pretty good team, to be honest with you. We had uh, like again like with the guy like Hiller and Beatty, those were our two best players, and we had some other really good good players on defense and things like that. So was their style vastly different from what you guys were playing? The Russian guys? Yes. Oh yeah, they were so fat we couldn't catch them. So they, but they were just speed. But again, they were all seventeen years old. Think about Pavel Burry as seventeen year old. You know, skating around all us guys that were 
you know, 40 pounds heavier and couldn't, had, you know, had, uh, you know, steel in our boots and our skates because we couldn't catch up. There's just no way. Did you did you try to intimidate them? And if so, were you successful? No, I don't think it was. That was kind of a, it was a game where we didn't expect, like we had no idea. Right. You know, like just think you're playing, <laughs> you've heard all these games against, you know, Russia and Canada and things like that. And then, and the other thing, you couldn't get a ticket. It was so packed in there. Uh, it was the old Melville Stadium, and it was so packed. It was just to the roof. Uh, I mean, you couldn't get another. They, the fire marshal would have shut her down if he would have come in. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So, uh, well, that that would have been cool. I mean, yeah. for a town like that, to play against those guys. It was the neat well, thing. Was to, Burry their best guy? Like, well, you you, they, were the the they, they were all the same. They were all the same. They were all the same. You couldn't tell one from the other. That's what I was hoping to get Jim's, uh, Jimmy Hiller's uh, comments on it tonight. Yeah. But, again, just wish that the Yeah, the teams don't were. often let the assistant coaches talk, even if you pitch it as we're not going to ask it 40 hours of questions about well, the Leafs. Well, we're not going to say one thing about the Leafs. So, whatever. Uh, I, I might have slipped one No, in. you wouldn't. Oh, hey, just by the way, Jim. Uh, <laughs> well, that's that's a pretty cool story. Uh, so, did you, I mean, I hate this, I, maybe I shouldn't word it this way, but I think you'll understand because you're never playing a game thinking you're going to lose, but how soon into the game did you realize did you have a holy crap moment? Uh, well, I think we scored first. To oh, be you honest. did? Eh? Yeah, so I think, I think, uh, and I have the ta- the game on tape somewhere. Oh, jeez, uh, we got to bring that in. Yeah, I don't even know where it would be. but um, No, I, I think we were kind of with them, but we were pretty jacked up. I mean, we were so fired up. I mean, first of all, you're playing in front of a full house. You know, Which you guys wouldn't have had. No, Most junior A teams no, rarely get a packed house. Exactly. I mean, you'd get one on Boxing Day and on, on New Year's Day and then in playoffs. No playoffs, but, yeah. You know, but things like, like to have... Some, and on again... Middle of January. The whole... And I mean, we had no idea who these guys were until, like I said, I, I pulled that program out probably in the mid-90s. I just found it in an old thing, and I thought, I wonder if any of those guys that we played against... And then I started <laughs> going down the list. And I actually took this thing and I showed Sergei Zuboff. Well, because uh, six years later, he's the one of the best players on the right. Stanley Cup champion but, Rangers. But at the tail end of his career, um, when he was in Dallas, I showed him this program. He remembered everything about it. He knew all those guys on the team. He said it was amazing they uh, they got out of Russia. Uh, he, he actually, it was a funny thing because I showed it to, I, um, I can't remember, it's off the tip of my tongue now, the Dallas Stars PR guy who was there for a long, long time. And I showed him this and I said, you know, maybe just show it to Zubov because Zubov would never do any interviews with anyone okay. for forever. And so, and next thing you know, Zubov t- took me in the back room of the Dallas Stars visiting room here at, at Rexall, took me in the back room and he, he went through all these because there was a couple other pictures I had and he, he could not believe that, uh, you know, just to see the names of all the guys and he went all about, like all the guys that ended up to be you know who knows where they are in in Siberia, but he knew them all, and he said. But he he you know he said he was just fortunate to get on that team, yep. to travel to Canada, improve himself, and end up to be where he is. You know at that time at that day. That's amazing. I'm really glad you brought this in, yeah. Kevin. That that is so cool and good for you. Yeah, I mean, you were good. really you were a really good junior A player. No, I wasn't. Well, you played junior A eh? well, more than most so, of us. Yeah, but I covered junior A. Eh? <laughs> barely good enough for that. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Carius is in studio. We'll uh, talk about some other big stories from the national and local sports world as we move along. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. She's 
Thanks a lot for uh, tuning in tonight. Kevin and I are going to talk a little bit about European football or soccer as we know it in uh, in this country because obviously the uh, state of uh, FC Edmonton is, uh, well, it's up in the air. We got uh, Toronto and Columbus. Toronto up 1-0 on Columbus, 83rd minute. That's the second leg of the MLS <laughs> Eastern Final. I realize there are some of you saying thanks for the update and some of you saying I don't care, don't ever mention soccer again. But uh, the Toronto team's done done pretty good, and this is a two-game total goal is what we would call it in hockey, not aggregate. So Toronto uh, looking good to advance to the final for the second straight year. Kevin, look, we know we know the two teams that get the majority of the coverage in this town. That's that's how it goes. And I think you have to say just maybe the one team, really, and I, I'm, unfortunately that's the way it is, too. I mean, you know, doing this show for how many years during crossover season... Well, it depends. You know. It depends on how the Eskimos are doing. Yeah. This year, there was a lot of interest at the end of the season, and what clear, would you, clearly the clearly the what would way you the say? season ended with that call, yeah, Garner. Sure. So what would you say? I mean, if you were in, in crossover season, so at both both sides, well, you can't really say. So just basically, in September, is that basically still so for the month of September? Are you looking at eighty twenty Oilers over Eskimos? 80% like oh, I don't you, know. It's hard to say because I do other guests too. Like, I what, what do you that. qualify well, as? Like, uh, okay, you're uh, just, just because the one time you told me, Reed, you told me you, you did a great story on Jen Kish. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, and basically no response. And then you told me the same time you, you could say, uh, and the Oilers called up Brad Malone. Let's just use that and use that. Yes, but and we, there'd be a hundred people that want to talk about that. Well, but here's the thing. I think that we're kind of getting off the yeah, topic here. So are you. But yes, I, I think that hopefully, uh, if people want to listen to a good story and a good interview, they'll appreciate it no matter what. But they're more likely to have an opinion on it if it's Oilers related. That's how I and, and, and want to reach out to interact with the show. I think if I have an Olympian on, like Jen Kish, and she tells her story and talks about winning the bronze medal and how she's trained and all that kind of stuff, I think people will appreciate that as a local success story. See, anyway, I disagree with you. I think people in town, they'll listen. If you got something Oilers on and you go to another uh, whatever it is, and let's just say this is during... I can't really say this time block because really on another channel there isn't really anything going on right now. Uh, normally at this time, not local, right? I'm talking more local. Let's, so let's just go from noon to two. If someone in, in Edmonton on in this market is talking Oilers, people are going to hang around. If they end up going to talk to something about else, like let's say Raptor, not Raptor, anything else, something else that's not Oilers, they'll flip the channel in my mind. All right. Well, I guess I'll show you my time slots ratings once we're off air. Yeah. Uh, FC Edmonton uh, well, is not going to be back in the NASL. We don't okay. know what's going to happen with that league. I got to say that uh, Tom Fath and his brother, and Tom Fath has been more of the face of the franchise. Man, they, unbelievable, they kept it going. And I mean, those players, some of those guys were making six figures. Like, this wasn't guys playing for scraps. And it's it's amazing that the Faths kept it going that long. But, but you know, it, it's hard to... It's hard to build that connection, right, with a with a sport that has, quite frankly, all the franchises have eventually failed. Never mind six figures. Think about, like, compare them to the Eskimos uh, for travel. 
Oh, uh, insane. Like, I mean, they they would go to even like let's just say they played in San Francisco on a Saturday. It's and and compare the Eskimos playing in Montreal on a Saturday. Eskimos fly out on a Friday, right? Yep. These guys are flying out on Wednesday, Thursday. They're spending two, three days there. Well, f- they went to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico's been in the league. Yeah. Like, Didn't have to go there the last time because of the hurricane. But yeah, geographically, the for the for FC Edmonton, it was. But I even I just think they went a couple days before games. Yeah. Okay. Well. So here's my yeah. question to you: Can, can I mean, this, the Fats? I mean, the franchise still exists. The people like the people still mm-hmm. work there. Um, there's talk of a Canadian Premier League, right? Like, can pro soccer make it in any form in no. this in this city? No. Not you don't think it, never, like eventually it'll will. drop off. They, they can try it again, it, mm-hmm. but it'll it won't be sustainable. And you, I, I mean, when 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 we uh, Jack Haskins interviewed uh, Mr. Foth on Tuesday or whatever it was, he brought up that word sustainable how many times? It just isn't. I mean, for them, seven eight years, maybe a little longer. When you think about when they started the franchise startup to get to the league to get to where they had to cease operations is probably nine years, whatever it is. He said in year three they knew it wasn't sustainable. Yeah. So they. It was just how much he was willing to lose to keep it going, which he had. He was able to do that more than other owners. Absolutely, but. Why do you want to do that? Like, I mean, you got to have an awful lot of money and, and, and a lot of passion to see something succeed to do that. Well, he has a lot of passion. There's no doubt about that. I, I can't disagree with you, but uh, I, getting back, like you, you're talking about the Premier League in a couple of years. First of all, the quality. You, you could maybe maybe start a junior league and liken something to uh, Western Hockey League, OHL, so a CHL with kids that are 18 years old or whatever and have a small schedule you might be able to support that and do it in the sense where you're not paying those kids salaries right um it's something through an academy but uh no way it'll never never it'll never be sustainable more with curious when we get back Donate a toy today and make Christmas come true for 25,000 less fortunate kids through 630Chad Santa's Anonymous. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630Chad. And don't forget Santa's Anonymous delivery weekend, December 16th and 17th. Santa'sAnonymous.ca for more info. You can find out all the toy drop-off locations. You can drop off toys 9 to 5 here at 630Chad weekdays. We're at 5204. 84th Street Teddy Bear Toss Saturday Oil Kings against Prince Albert Should have what 14, 15,000 bears Well they're hoping for Yeah over yeah. 14 for sure Because yeah. the record last year was 13,942 I believe and I wrote it down somewhere Pretty well sell out for, for well, the Yeah they should be sold out you know, so. Kevin told me they were with yeah. Kevin Radomski told me they were, within, they were within 500 there already on Monday yeah. So they should be sold out and, uh, yeah, that's a great night. The Oil Kings are uh, playing tonight. I'm going to double-check the score here, Kevin, but you got a trivia question for me. Oh, well, you know how many times you've tried to grease me over the years with... Uh, well, several. Well, the, what's the starting lineup of the 1927 Yankees? Like that you one? You did pretty good. Well, I got a few of them, but... Uh, you got all the 19... Set of Oil Kings, Brandon, scoreless, four minutes left in the first, by the way. So, because I was trying to get Jim Hiller of the Leafs on... Uh, I kind of looked up a couple of things with with Toronto, and um, of course, Lou Lamorello is uh, running the show there. Yep. 
And do you know what Lou Lamorello did basically before he got to the NHL? Oh, jeez. I can't remember. He would have been the head coach for probably, I'm, gu- I'm going to guess, a good dozen years. Oh, this was in hockey. In oh, hockey, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Where was it? It was in Providence. Okay. So he was in Providence for, uh, for uh, a good dozen years. What Oilers staffer did Lou Lamorello coach in Providence? Current Oilers staffer? Current Oilers staffer did he coach in... So staffer, not necessarily coaching staff. I'm just saying staffer and not stoffer. No, he didn't <laughs> he, coach staffer. Well, Bob probably did play there. <laughs> Jim Johnson? No. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you steal this. This is a good one. This is a really, really good one. Because uh, I was a little surprised. So there's somebody that, who works for the Oilers that's not a player. Right on. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Well, that's a pretty wide... It's a wide open one, but I mean, it's it's something that's quite... Uh, you'll go... You'll it'll, you'll you'll be shocked. Okay. Oh, I yeah. Really, it was one year and probably uh, early to mid-70s. That should help you a little bit. Jeez. So somebody who was born then in the 50s. Probably in that area, yeah. You know, he was probably, I would imagine, in his early 20s when he was there. Somewhere in there. Okay. Ballpark. I mean, I might be off by three, four, five years. Is he a scout? I just, I'm going to give you Oilers Staffer. And I'll tell you what, here's, how about this one? And you've interviewed him many times. Barry Stafford? No. I've interviewed him many times. You've interviewed him many times. Current Oilers Staffer and a, quite a high profile one. Craig McTavish? No, no. <laughs> now I think I'm. I think I'm right on this. I hope. Well, I'm, I'm sure. Right. I'm sure you're right. I, well, you know, I don't have. A, I just kind of went through it today, and I was kind of just a little bit stunned by it. How about Bob, Bob Nicholson? Nicholson? There you go. Okay, Bob Nicholson. Because he all, didn't Nicholson also play University of Denver? Pretty sure that's where he no, was. I don't think so. I think he, he just played, played the one year of. Uh, well, he played BCHL. He was play. He played. From what I understand, he played in uh, I think Penticton because that's where he's right. from. Right. Yep. And then he played one year, I believe, in in Providence. Let's look him up. Where's his uh, hockey DB page? By the way, speaking of, uh, I'm having the the uh, creator. And curator of HockeyDB.com oh, on really? the Faceoff show tomorrow. Oh, good for you! Because that's an intense website. Sure, right? it is. They keep it all that. Those stuff. guys have been doing a lot. And I'm going to ask them to change Rob Brown's picture. <laughs> have you seen? <laughs> no, you don't. Seen, you don't. You know what it looks oh, like? Oh yeah, it's, it's awful. awful. Yeah, no. It is. Uh, it that's is. That's the one we need. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, Providence College, 73-74. 73-74. Ticton Broncos was okay. the name of Nicholson's team. Yeah, Lou Lamarillo. Well, have, well, that's incredible. That's Isn't that a... That's, I mean, that's something that's Brian never... Brian Burke? Is that the Brian Burke? I don't know. Yeah, sure it is. Wow, incredible. Um, so that's something that next time that people talk uh, in the media scrums to Bob Nicholson about? Well, I'll have to, have him, I'll have to ask him about that. Pretty, sure. It's a pretty neat story, actually, when you think about it. I mean... Who would have thought uh, that, you know, if you ask Bob, hey, Bob, you're playing for Lou Lamorello in uh, Providence, and now look at where you get to the, to the are right now. Yeah, no That's kidding. That's quite amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Kevin Carius joining us inside sports on 630 Chet. Uh, before we end the show tonight, we will have Carrick Martin in conversation with Dave Campbell. Big Roar of the Rings 
curling coming up in Ottawa. We had uh, Mark Kennedy on the show earlier this week. He's uh, curling for Kevin Cooey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kennedy winning a, an Olympic gold medal earlier in his career with, with Kevin Martin. Carrick Martin is Kevin's son. He's the lead for Brendan Botcher's right. rink. So a young, a young up-and-coming uh, rink for sure. By the way, you know Mark Kennedy uh, was in that Man of Curling calendar, eh? I guess he's got a signed <laughs> copy for me. For you? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I need for the sports department. Sure. Hang uh, it up over there. Mostly naked curlers. Yeah. Well, so I remember what is it, day it is. Is it uh, co-ed kind of no, thing? No, it's men of curling. Uh, okay. yeah, it's men of curling. I, there was a May really, hand. didn't they have a great women's one with all like uh, Yeah, there's been both. L- both a lot genders. of the European women. Mark was talking yeah. about it, yeah. They've done this men's one before. Huh. So he's... he's why he's, why did he's, he finally start doing it? I mean, he's... They never asked him like through the first <laughs> seven, eight calendar years, or what? Well, no, I think this is only the second, <laughs> the second one. I heard I think, they asked I think Randy. He's on the cover, I heard they actually. asked Randy Furby for that a, a while back. And well, <laughs> it was well, it was poor, one of the <laughs> poor Randy people who associate him with the with the era of yeah. less fit, uh, yeah, less fit curlers. Had and, Ricky Ray on the show, Kevin. Yeah. Great I mean, guy. Did, what, uh, did you get the feeling he's going to pull the pin and yes, retire? Yeah. Yes. Because he said in his scrum in Toronto, which mm-hmm. I'd heard before I had him on, he said, seriously considering. So, and he did say, uh, he did say to me, he goes, I'm not going to wait too long to make a decision, yeah. which usually indicates that. Well, he's he not needs to back. give the team, you know, proper time to find a replacement and things like that. So, um, well, you know, I, hey, I mean, I remember when he left here, everyone. Some people thought he was done, and now he gets two more rings. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think he was I done. I mean, guys can play. I mean, the yeah. last two quarterbacks com- to win the Grey Cup. What's their combined age? 80, 80. 89 or something like that. Because well, Bur- was it Burris forty one? Was he forty yeah, so two? Forty years, eighty years old. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and Tom Brady could do it here, and he's forty. Yeah. So like, and that's the thing where people are like, "Well, Riley is he? We're starting to break down." Mike Riley's not starting to break down. No. He's probably peaking. <laughs> right in his early third. He's only going to, and, and he, like Mike Riley, will only understand the game more and more as far as reads, coverages, et cetera, et cetera. That's the thing about the that more, position, right? The more like, you sit back there and year after year and you're in the room and you're only going to see it better than you did a year before or five years before or ten years before. So so what do you think of the game? <laughs> the great cup yeah. game. I, hey, I was happy for... Uh, for Ricky Ray, I, I was totally elated to see him win and win his fourth. So um, I didn't mind the snow; didn't care. No, that was cool. I thought it was great. I think they could have had maybe a few more machines to help uh, clean the field like a little more. For the more. first half, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, just kind of a couple uh, more uh, uh, sweepers and things like that. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I thought it was great. And by all accounts, all the guys that were out there, like guys like you know Norman Peterson, Rod, he says one of the best Great Cups that he's been at. So, you know, when a guy that's been in that many, Terry Jones. Like in terms thing. of the, the whole organization. Yeah, they say, the league, yeah, you know, you got to take those, that word from those guys that have been in the last, you know, whatever, 20, 30, 40. Halsey's been to 60 of them. Well, <laughs> we had him on. I couldn't he remembers that. all of them. I it's know. incredible. Like how, how, 60. He's, a, he's amazing. That is. So, I, I've been saying to people, like, so I'm middle-aged. You know, you're in your late 20s. You can watch, you'll watch a lot of football or you have watched a lot of football. Not many plays will rival or exceed that fumble return. See, for, for just timing, of, like, it's just insane. I was betting that you would say something about Shania Twain. 
just with the way you're talking about being the middle-aged and all that. Oh, here, well, here, here I thought that the Shania thing was coming. I up. actually didn't uh, I didn't watch, I didn't sit down and watch till I got home with 13 minutes left because Rob and I were doing the Oilers. Right. So we had Oilers on the TV, Grey okay. Cup on the laptop, but we weren't watching much oh, of the Grey Cup. Okay. So I have a lot of like, oh, something just happened or, or highlights that. So Shania was on one of the screens with okay. no sound. I'm just juicing you. No, the last play, or you mean the, the, the fumble? Well, the fumble the, return. I mean, I know the, the interception, end, but the fumble return, yeah. my God. Well, they had two plays of 100 yards. When yeah. does that happen? doesn't happen. You know, I mean, to see, I mean, that's a team of destiny. And again, when you're looking at nine and nine teams in the last two years, or is it eight, nine, and one, and nine, they were, and nine? Ottawa was eight, nine, and so one. So nine, and nine, and eight, nine, and one wins great cups. That's, I mean, that just pisses off everyone in the Western Division. That's all it does. It doesn't, it doesn't, well, I mean, I've beat the, the format yeah. thing to death on this show, so people know how I feel. I, I don't mind if a, a lower seed wins. I just think they should have to go on the road and not get buys. Right. I don't have a problem with Toronto winning, as I guess they would have been the five seed. But they should have had to play at number four and then at who's ever remaining. Right. And then if you make the neutral side Grey Cup and win it, good for you. Precisely. They would have never made it. Unlikely. Yeah. Just like uh, that's why I never thought Saskatchewan was going to make it, even though that's a heck of a team. Because mm-hmm. you're just going out there, winning two games on the road. I know they were close, but still didn't pull it off. Uh, Kevin, you're a good guy. Thanks yeah. for coming in. Hey, Thanks anytime. for bringing that program. Well, we'll talk more about it maybe sometime with Mr. Hiller. That'll be fun. (laughs) Uh, We're going to get to Carrick Martin next. Want to remind you, some guests on Inside Sports receive gift certificates to Northern Chicken, satisfying modern soul food, Southern-style chicken, and a hockey game. Order now at Skip the Dishes. Please support 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. Find out how at santasanonymous.ca. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's always tense, that Olympic curling qualifier, the Roar of the Rings, they call it, starts Saturday in Ottawa. We had Mark Kennedy on earlier in the week. Carrick Martin is Kevin Martin's son. He's the lead for the Brendan Botcher rink, and he talked to Dave Campbell earlier today. Carrick, you're uh, just, I mean, moments away from guess, stepping on a plane heading to Ottawa and uh, competing in a, an event that's been deemed as the best curling you're ever going to see. Yeah, it's exciting. I can't wait for it. I've watched it and can't, be a, can't wait to be a part of it. Uh, tell me, yeah, I mean, you've, you've watched it. I know I've watched it. Uh, I remember the trials here in 2009, and, of course, that's a good memory for you because your dad won it and then won the gold medal uh, later in Vancouver. Um, it's kind of a different vibe, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's not like the loud, rowdy party <laughs> that the Briar is. It's definitely serious. Everyone is bringing their best game, and it, it's a completely different feel. And yeah, I can't wait to see what it's all about from a player's standpoint. Is that difficult as a player because you've played in Briars and you've played in a number of, of spiels and Grand Slam events where it just it, it is kind of a loose atmosphere right or not that you're not competitive but at this event i mean this is an olympic trial spot for or olympic birth right so is it strange to kind of watch you know from when you watch the event is it kind of strange to see uh, so quiet so intense in here yeah it's it's different for sure i remember in what 2009 
there's not much for clapping even like it's yeah. just a dead silence it's intense like and it's a completely different feeling and uh yeah it'll be different for sure and but i can't wait for it what has your dad told you about this event and, and how you prepare for it is it any is it any different really from any other spiel oh no from the way we're preparing is how we've been preparing all year we've had some good success coming into the event and we're just trying to do the same things and and uh, just keep building on what we've done so far this year and hopefully we can uh, get it done here in Ottawa. I want to go back to almost a year ago when you won the the province to go to the Briar and you and you swept the province then you went to the Briar and it was a little tough it was three and eight uh, performance but what do you remember about that experience and how has it helped mold this team into how it is now? Oh, uh, we're a completely different team from then. Darren had just joined us back then, and we've definitely learned a lot about ourselves, a lot about the team through that Briar experience, and uh, I think it's going to help us a ton going into the trials. Yeah. We really couldn't have had a better event to prepare us for it, I don't think. What, what's, the, what's the biggest thing you learn at play, playing at that level? Oh, just the intensity, and it, it gets to you and your team, and... Yeah, you just—it's—it's it's a completely different uh, vibe out there. At least it was for the Briar, and I think now that we know kind of what it did to us and how, how we felt, and we can go out there and um, make our adjustments, and I think we'll be much more better, much more ready. How about? I mean, there's just more eyes on you. I mean, it's not like you haven't played against your competition. You play—I don't know how many times you play each other, like. I don't know, I'm not even going to count because you play hundreds and hundreds of games a, a season, but there's just more eyes on you. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's even that. It, it, just what's on the line, and it, we. I think I think that got to us a bit at the Briar, and I think we're much more focused on the process going into this event, and we'll see if that previous experience helps us going forward I think it will and I think I think we'll be a different team this event now you had to qualify through the pre-trials yeah and I mean how many teams were there on the men's side I mean it was it's quite the field yeah there's 14 I think or, yeah is is a huge field and uh, a grind of a week and I think that's going to prepare us as well it, like it, it it couldn't get much more like the trials than that event and to get out of it I think well you've seen in the past Jacobs came out and won and mm -hmm. and uh, I think it's definitely a great way to prepare for this event and I think we'll, that'll just be an advantage for us. I noticed on your team your fifth is uh, Jason Gunlickson who competed in 09 uh, at the trials um, how much has he been a good resource? I know your dad's a great resource, but how about just for everyone else and for even yourself, for, for Gunlickson to be on the team and understanding what this event is all about? Yeah, I think Brendan can really relate to him. Jason was a very young skip to get to the trials in 09, and I think that way they can relate. And he's, he's actually done a ton for us getting ready for this and opened our eyes to a few things that he has done in the past that... I think are going to help us as well, and um, he he's been fantastic. Mm -hmm. He's yeah, and he yeah he's done the fifth role. He was the fifth for John Morris at the last trials, right. and they obviously did great too. And I think that experience has helped him. And yeah, it's yeah we can yeah, yeah I think it's it's nothing but good.
Speaking of Brendan, as a skip, how much have you seen him grow throughout the last year or so? Oh, just immensely. The way he calls the game is confidence, shot making, shot calling. Yeah, yeah, all of it. It's been, it's been great. And you play, I believe you play Steve Laycock as well, right? Uh, yeah. That's your first game. Yeah, yeah, first game. And uh, yeah, I don't think we're gonna we're gonna go into it. it doesn't really matter who we play; they're all gonna be tough. So absolutely. Yeah, we'll just take it one game at a time and see what happens. And hey, a chance for you to maybe throw the first rock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I guess. <laughs> like the very first rock. Your lead, you yeah. throw first rocks anyway, but maybe you throw the first rock. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll have fun and all the best to you. Awesome, thanks. Dave Campbell talking to Carrick Martin, lead for the Brendan Botcher Rink, one of nine competing for the Canadian men's berth into the upcoming Winter Olympics. It's going to be fun following that bond spiel in Ottawa starts on Saturday. All right, the Edmonton Oil Kings trailing Brandon 1-0 with the second period about to start at Rogers Place. Oil Kings teddy bear toss coming up on Saturday. They'll be wearing special Christmas-themed jerseys. They'll be auctioned and raffled off in support of 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. In the NHL tonight, halfway through the third period, Montreal is up 2-1 on Ottawa. Five minutes into the third, Boston holding a 3-2 lead over Tampa Bay. The shots are 33-13 in favor of the Bruins, but they only have a one-goal lead. Ducks lead the Blues 1-0 after the first, and uh, about 12 minutes into the game, the Jets have jumped out to a 1-0 lead on the Colorado Avalanche. Josh Morrissey with his third of the season. Will Cam Talbot play tomorrow? Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2. Talbot didn't practice today. Head coach Todd McClellan called it an upper body tweak. Oilers and Maple Leafs on 6.30. Ched, face-off show at 5.30 tomorrow afternoon. The game will start at 7. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is the studio producer. Toronto FC did win the soccer game 1-0 over Columbus, so they advanced to the MLS Cup final. My name is Reed Wilkins, coming up to the 8 o'clock news. Thank you so much for listening. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.